welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast, where we engage with culture and equip the local church in faith and ministry. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the Communications Coordinator at High Point Church. This is one of our Ask Me Anything follow-up episodes, where we answer the remaining questions from the AMA time after our Sunday service. Today, Manohar James, our Minister of Intercultural Ministry, is joined by Chris Halding, our Pastoral Fellow, to answer the rest of the questions on Manohar's sermon from this past Sunday. We'd love to have you join us for future AMA times on Sundays at 9 a.m. at highpointchurch.org slash live. If you have any further questions, email us at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. I'm Chris Helding. I'm here with Manohar James, uh, who preached this past week on the persecuted church around the world. Um, shared some great insights there, and I'm excited to do this AMA and follow up with some of the questions that you all had for him. So, Manohar, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I am quite well. So, first question is uh, not a real serious one, but you, you said that uh, in your sermon, you only addressed about one fourth of the material you had on this. And so somebody wants to know, what is your home address so they can come and hear the rest of it? I'm glad there are some serious followers of my sermon and uh, they can come all the way to my house, right? Yeah. And of course, uh, they, everybody's welcome to my house and uh, we are located in uh, 3751 Maple Grove Drive. Well, uh, you know, there are other opportunities, digital platforms to connect. So I'm available for anything that they wanted to know. But uh, thanks for asking that. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, I think we've been getting some great feedback from the sermon and people who um, this was really convicting, but um, but good things to know about what's going on around the world with um, others who are being persecuted. So first serious question, uh, how should someone respond to claims that missional Christianity is one that produces colonialism? Yeah, right. Uh, the missional, missional Christianity, there is nothing wrong with missional Christianity. Missional means we should be on mission with Jesus. That is that. But there is nothing called missional Christianity that should be associated with uh, colonialism. I just wanted to make that clear because missional Christianity is simply a broad term for uh, the Great Commission Christianity, like we all are called to be Great Commission Christians, regardless of what denomination we come from and uh, what kind of belief system we hold within our church. But we all are called to be missional people. That is the core of the gospel. But if we think that um, missional Christianity uh, is colonial, uh, that is a kind of uh, uh, one-sided understanding or interpretation of what has happened in the uh, past 2,000 years. And uh, and again, uh, we should not throw baby with bathwaters when we talk about uh, missional work during colonial times. There were so many hundreds of missionaries who were self-sacrificial around the world because of which today the global south is reaping the harvest. And even it was during the colonial time, William Carey went to India and he's known as the father of the modern missionary movement. And in fact, he did not uh, support the colonial way of doing missions, but he did 
the very biblical way. You know, he was educating people, empowering the locals and uh, learning the language. And in fact, he was the guy who gave Bible into 40 different languages in India. If uh, it were not for William Carey, we would not have had a Bible in in India, in the whole of India. I mean, in a, in a way, because 40 languages not, is not a joke. So, uh, yeah, there is no uh, missional Christianity that should be connected with uh, colonial work. But uh, we all have to be missional um, in the way that... Uh, God has called us. You know, God is a missionary God from the very, very, very beginning of the Bible, uh, all the way unto the prophets and then to Jesus and then to the New Testament church. So we all have to be missional. If there is a Christianity without a missional work, and that is not a Christianity at all. That is how I understand. Sure. So I heard a, a couple things there. One is that missional Christianity today isn't necessarily the same thing as the missionary work that's been done in the past. And <laughs> right. also, even, if, even if some did, you know, even if it was part of colonization in the past, that's not, that doesn't, isn't the whole story of what missions work in the past 2000 years has been about. Right. So this, Absolutely. Right. Right. All right. Great. So here's another one related to the sermon. Um, so one person was just kind of, I think, disturbed by um, all of these things that we hear in these other countries and wondering uh, what happens to people who do these things. Is it not a crime that Christians are being tortured and killed? What happens to those involved in these attacks? <laughs> yeah, well, um, that's a good question. Uh, and I think uh, this question comes from um, the perspective of how should we uh, view the human rights uh, in the locations where people are killed. I get that idea. And then uh, how do the persecutors get away from the law, right? And that's why I actually said in my sermon, uh, religious freedom is a concept of the majority and a strange thing for the minority. And again, religious freedom is what the majority interprets not what the minority interprets. So there are inflections of religious freedoms around the world. And sometimes we always think in the West, religious freedom is supposed to be the way uh, United Nations Declaration of Religious Freedom in 1948. And, 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 and of course, uh, that is the way the religious freedom is supposed to be, but that's not the way uh, the countries which are part of the uh, UN even imply that kind of meaning uh, into their uh, doing things. So, um, yeah, what happens to some of those persecutors is that uh, they go into jail probably half a day for half a day or one day and they come out. <laughs> and in fact, uh, some of these wow. persecutions are happening by the support of the local government. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, for the sake of the secularization or secular nation concept, they try to arrest 
those infiltrators, those culprits uh, for a day, for a half day or for the news clipping. And then they release them second day saying, yeah, yeah, it is proven that he's not culprit and we are still on the hunt for someone who has committed mm. this heinous crime. So, so this is a kind of way out for them. And in fact, those who are persecuted, the law is on their side. But the one who controls the law is not on their side. And then mm -hmm. they go with the same law in their hands uh, to fight for their right. And then they get persecuted again. And then there will be some false cases filed against them. So they are actually bringing disaster on themselves by using the law that is for them. So it's wow. like very critical, whether it is in China, Nigeria, whether in it in India. So as long as the majority does not have a compassionate heart, the law itself will not do anything because it is the one who controls the law uh, to have that compassion, to have the justice applied to everyone equally, not just to the majority or just to satisfy their power you know so so yeah uh, it's a, it's a very difficult time for those who are suffering in many countries of the world because the law is on their side but the one who controls the law is not on their side hmm. yeah and i think that's one of the things that was really eye opening with your sermon because we as american christians we almost can't fathom a situation like that where the government is is against us, you know, is, is that hostile where they're supporting or enabling persecution? You know, we, we talk about sometimes how the government is anti-Christian in some ways, but it, it really doesn't compare to some of the things that you were sharing. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to give one example, like, uh, in 1998 in India, there was one guy named Dara Singh uh, in the state of Orissa. And uh, he actually burned Graham Staines and his two children in a Jeep. They were sleeping there while they were coming back from the mission field. And this man went with the mob and poured tons of kerosene uh, gasoline uh, onto the Jeep in which um, Graham Staines and two children were sleeping. And they were burned ablaze that night and uh, you know they were killed uh, such a mm. such a heinous way and it was the world news and now the dara singh he this guy was arrested for a while and he's kind of illiterate and all and then later he was given a political ticket <laughs> and now he's on the hunt for a position in the government and he's supposed oh to be goodness. in the jail so so uh, this is what happens to the persecutors unless um, God does some work and then bring them um, to Jesus. Uh, the law cannot really help in any way uh, to really punish those who are attacking the Christians, even under the human rights law. Uh, so this is so sad for those countries, um, particularly those who um, attack the churches, those who kill the Christians. Um, are seen as heroes in their society. And they're seen as someone who is patriotic and who is hmm. um, fighting for their indigenous religious system and not 
uh, in lines of these humanistic, like, yeah, we need to have compassion and things like that. You know, you come to my country and uh, my country has been hailed as a, a nation of religious tolerance. Um, and if uh, there is any nation that to be pointed towards as a, a nation of tolerance, it is India. But today, that is a strange concept for us. We are so intolerant of any other religious people other than Hindus. So, so it's so sad. But um, God is still doing the work, and um, these those who are persecuted are still compassionate. They just go out like the way Jesus went out, and then become His hands and feet to those who are persecuting them. So, yeah. That is a story. <laughs> yeah, that's that's heavy, but but you know, as you showed in your sermon, all all of these things that Jesus said about, uh, and other New Testament writers said about persecution, uh, they're so much more real in these contexts. Um, but uh, a few of the questions yeah, that we got yeah. uh, come from folks in our congregation who uh, are trying to wrestle with, okay, what does that mean for us here? where we're not facing that type of persecution. And you, you, you started addressing that in your sermon, but we, we want to expand on that. So here's another question. It says, how can we grow to be bolder in our faith? Real simple. How can we be bolder in our faith? Yeah. So, yeah, really, I wanted to take my message into a different direction than the usual way that many pastors take. Uh, for example, we always focus on, yeah, we are in the comfort zone and why why can't we go and help them? And how can I help them? How can I be part of the uh, persecuted church? Yeah, it's all true. We need to help those who are persecuted through prayer, financial support and things like that. And then we feel pity on them, um, thinking that, you know, they are... Um, suffering and they are putting their lives for the sake of Jesus. But now I wanted to say, you have to pity on yourself. This is the, this is the type of message I want to give. Not like you wanted to be pitying on someone for being persecuted, but I wanted to pity on yourself why we can't have the similar commitment like those who mm. are so committed for the sake of Jesus and they can give their children, they can give up their houses, they can give up their spouses for the sake of the gospel. And here, we cannot give up even, even our right um, you know, even a simple right, you know, or even a comfort zone, you know. I, I, I read the comments on the Facebook. We can't even tolerate a different view, which is different from us. Mm -hmm. So so how can we be bold in our faith? First of all, it is an attitude problem. I think we need to change our attitude. Do we have the same attitude that Jesus had? That's why Paul often talks about have the mind of Christ in you. That is the one mind means what it is the attitude. Unless you change your mindset, your attitude will not change. And we wanted to change the attitude directly by reading a bunch of books. It's not going to happen. You have to change your attitudes by the way you think. I think it starts from the way we think, actually. First of all, we have to think Christian life is not a bed of roses. Mm -hmm. It's a path of thorns. 
And this prosperity gospel has killed the core of the gospel, I'm telling you. We run to Jesus for the sake of blessings and we claim all the blessings. And of course, God blesses, Jesus blesses everything when we seek his kingdom first. All these things will happen. But when you seek his kingdom and righteousness, what happens when you seek righteousness? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, people will persecute you for righteousness. <laughs> for righteousness, the reward first is not the prosperity, but persecution. But what we do, we always take the prosperity side. So all these things will be added unto you, like the housing, the clothes, and everything that he was referring to in the earlier chapter. Like you don't worry about the clothing. You don't worry about what you will eat, what you will wear, because, you know, blah, blah, blah. All these things will be added first. You seek this, but we don't seek first all those things. We seek first prosperity. Then we try to you know, divert our attention to the kingdom aspect. But we have to go to the kingdom first and the righteousness, which will have suffering first. And then comes the prosperity. But we have reversed our theology. So I think our mindset as Christians has to change. And uh, persecution, not necessarily um, just someone beat us up. It could start with opposition. We already have that in our country. We go through silent repression almost every day. Uh, by the way, the political polarity is happening in our country. And by the way, secular humanism is on the rise and how atheism mm -hmm. is just encouraged and uh, how all non-biblical stuff are um, justified under morality and all that. So we are going through opposition right now and we are not persecuted, but are we prevailing ourselves in midst of the opposition? We are not. We are fighting legally. We are not spiritually fighting. That's a problem. Think this clearly. We are trying to fight legally. There is no legal fighting. Jesus never went legally to fight against Roman government. He had opportunity. So our problem is we are trying to fight with the government. Why don't you change this? Why don't you change this? Why don't you change this? Why can't you change this? So if we elect a particular guy, probably we will change the country into a biblical way. It is never going to happen unless you fight spiritually. So this is what I want to challenge American church. Unless you spiritually fight, you will never accomplish the biblical Christianity right here in this nation. Today, we have given our country into the hands of Satan because we have become cold rather than being bold. This is what someone said. It is better to be a fool on fire rather than a scholar on ice. <laughs> we have lots of theology. We can do whatever we want to do with all the knowledge we have, but our intellectual creativity is only giving us the cold side of living, you know, we are becoming like, you know, uh, living vegetables rather than living sacrifices. And instead of becoming um, a light that shines out of burning, we are becoming a, a halogen bulb by electricity. If the electricity is cut and then the bulb has no meaning at all. So Jesus said we have to be light before others. And, and he actually cleared it 
with words saying, hey, do not hide it. Do not put something over it. Do not cover it. You know, you, he has used tons of things saying that you are the light of the world. What a privilege we have. I mean, in fact, it is Jesus who is called the light of the world. And he has given that privilege to us. And we are little Jesus on this earth today. And we are not doing anything for Jesus, but we are doing with Jesus. Take these words. We are not doing anything for Jesus, but we are doing with Jesus because he's the light mm -hmm. of the world. We're just reflecting, just like the moon reflects the light of the sun. We are his sons reflecting the father. We are reflecting Jesus, the, the big light. So we are not doing that. We, we, we don't have to be anything. All that we need to do is receptive and then absolute surrender. Like I challenged, hey, what would we do with the wealth that we have? With uh, a 90-year life, probably 70, but I'm going to maximum because the lifespan is better here in this country. <laughs> but <laughs> what do we do with that? And are we exchanging the whole eternity for this temporal 90, 70, 80 years living on earth, which is not fully enjoyed even to that extent because childhood is gone and then old age is gone into the old age homes and things like that. So how poor in our understanding, our mindset has to change. Our mindset has to change. That's, that's the beginning. And then our commitment will change. Our attitude will change. And ultimately we're on the roads. Chris, I just want to tell you, mm -hmm. when I gave my life to the Lord, 28 years ago, I was on the streets preaching the gospel and I was walking 25 kilometers one way, 25 kilometers back way when I was in Bible school. Every Saturday I walked and I was in a Bible school which was situated in a state where I couldn't speak their language. So I wrote Bible messages on cardboards, hung on my chest, hung on my back, had in my hands, and I walked 25 miles because I was passionate, because I changed my mindset. I was young and everybody had shame in their mind and things like, people were ashamed of me walking there. <laughs> so I'm saying that, that mindset, I got it long ago. I changed it today. You can't change that mindset. You give me a million dollars, I'm not going to change that. So I'm saying we have to have the mind of Christ like we have seen um, in the last few months from the teachings of substance, you know, the, having the mind of Christ in step with the spirit. This all once, you know, brought to the core of our heart and we can never be quiet. We can never be silent. Yeah, that's helpful. I, I think... If we all just keep your your past sermon on our <laughs> recorded on our phone. Just play that for kind of a, a pep talk in the morning <laughs> to hype you up. You know, have some of that boldness in our faith. That could help too. <laughs> all right. One more question that's asking specifically about Hindus. Um, so what are some ways to witness to Hindus? Maybe in well, specific to Madison as well, because I, I know yeah, we have a yeah. number of Hindus here. That's true. That's true. And, you know, this is what I always 
say whether it is Hindus, whether it is Muslims, whether it is um, any group of uh, different faith, we need to understand what Paul said in First Corinthians chapter two, verse uh, four, or Second Corinthians chapter four. Um, the God of the, this age has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. God of this age. So now when it refers to God of this age has blinded, that means first we need to understand that we need to remove the blindness in their eyes. So there are different types of blindnesses in different kinds of people. So not Hindus are not all same. All of them do not have the same kinds of blindness. Mm -hmm. Okay, not same kind of blindness. There are different kinds of blindnesses. One is spiritual blindness. Some, one is uh, wealth blindness. One is traditional blindness. Something is a bondage as a bind blindness. So there are tons of things. So do we need to uh, do we need to understand what kind of blindness? Yes, absolutely. Because Satan uses different tactics to not let the gospel go into their ears and into their hearts. So the first step is to find out what way Satan has blinded their eyes. Sometimes with the false truth in their eyes. But again, let me also refer to this. Um, not all Hindus are spiritual. Not all Hindus are religious. It's like not all Christians are godly. <laughs> not all Christians know the Bible. That's how Hindus are. And again, we are not trying to convert Hindus for the sake of adding someone to the church. We are thinking about Hindus because we are compassionate. We wanted to think about their eternal life. We wanted to bless them with the gospel. We do not mm -hmm. want to simply add a convert into our church, which is not our motto at all. We are just passionate that we do not want Hindus to go to hell. That is what we need to understand because there may be some Hindus who wanted to listen to my podcast and they will think, oh, these guys are trying to convert. No, we are not trying to make them converts and then just add a Christian at the end of their name. But we just wanted them and their soul to be preserved for um, the eternity because we don't want them to just have this 70, 80, 90 years of uh, uh, life on earth with this earthly blessings and then they go into the eternal fire and then um, you know suffer there. So that's the compassion. So when we go with that, find out what kind of blindness that Satan has used um, in their life. So some people are wealth oriented. Some people are traditions oriented. Some people have customs. Some people have, uh, you know, so much spirituality in their life that the Satan has blinded with false gods, false um, um, idols they have. So if we know all of them, uh, we will be able to share the gospel with them. And I think uh, uh, we need to pay attention to what is the thing that is blocking them from hearing the gospel? Uh, one of the failures that evangelists, one of the failures the church people um, go through is they try to just share the gospel. Again, mm -hmm. the effectiveness does not depend on the sower. Remember that. Effectiveness does not depend on the sower, but it depends on the soil. 
we always think about, oh, I need a better training. Oh, I need better words. I need the great knowledge. <laughs> I need the background work to do this better way. No. Gospel is same, whether you use intellectual words or simple words. Seed is same. Seed doesn't need to be polished anymore the way we think. <laughs> but what is need to be polished? It is the soil. What needs to be worked on? Soil. But we are mostly working on the seed. <laughs> we people, we are working on the seed, how to make it grow. It's seed. We, nobody works on the seed. People, you know, think about the agricultural area. It's the soil that needs to be worked, prepared. So mm -hmm. go and see what way Satan has blinded their eyes. And then you try to pray for um, that thing uh, before you and try to use all your skills to make them understand that they need to come out of that bondage. And then the Holy Spirit will have his way to convince them. Uh, but we always work on our seed rather than soil. That's what <laughs> I should say, whether it is a Hindu, Muslim, or any person of different faith. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's key to treat each person as an individual, because like you said, uh, they're all different. It's not like we can get out our, okay, here's my, my Hindu playbook. These are the things I say, because you're mm -hmm. in the in this box of Hinduism, um, just like you know, two people who claim to be Christians are, are the same. They could have very different actual right, right. And also, And also, when we try to reach people, we have to see two distinctions, not many distinctions. One is like people with no Christ, people with Christ. You only see them as Hindus, Muslims, and uh, that distinction really destroys our confidence. That destroys our our way of approach to them. Simply see that they are people without Christ. They need Christ. Simple. Then look at which way Satan has blinded them. Then that includes Hindu faith, Hindu belief system, traditions, or Muslim, uh, you know, those concepts or, you know, factors that affect them not to come out of their thing. So if we are able to remove those you know, filters first, even before we even throw, throw the seed. And then, yeah, surely seed will take, you know, really, because some soils have rocks. Some soils have different things. So you have to prepare the soil. We don't prepare the soil. We just throw the seed and we think, oh, no, it's not coming. So we just need to prepare that. Uh, just see that as a soil rather than um, seeing it as a ground in general. It's just a soil that really sprouts something if we put uh, a seed. But uh, whether if that soil has a stones, whether it soil has a sand in it, whether that soil has uh, different elements that doesn't allow. So can we, can we repair that soil? Uh, so that's what I should say. But let's not polish so much uh, our seed. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, Manohar. Well, that's all the questions we have. Uh, I'm thankful for you and uh, for the sermon, for the passion that you have to reach people with the gospel, um, and also just the joy that you have in doing that and in talking about that to others. So that's my prayer for all of you listening, that uh, that this week, some of that would rub off on you. And, uh, and with God's spirit, you would have boldness to share the gospel with others. So any closing thoughts for you, Manohar? 
Well, um, I'm so glad for High Point Church, uh, which is missional, so missional. Um, you know, I, I don't have words how to explain um, how passionate they are. And I only see myself as least of everyone at High Point. Um, I think the one reason I say that because they never take like, oh, this guy is so hard. Is it practical? They never walked away from my challenges. They always took it to heart and then wanted to see in the light of the Bible and say, yeah, can I do that? And I have received uh, emails and uh, uh, letters which um, which had requests saying, Manohar, would you please pray for boldness so that I can witness, I can witness to people. And they're not asking because they wanted to fill the church. They're not asking because they just wanted to do something for self-satisfaction, but they're asking because they see, they see none of the people in our neighborhoods perish without the gospel. They have that compassionate heart. So keep that, keep that uh, vision. Keep that vision. Don't worry about uh, reaping the harvest. You may be a seed sower, or you may be kind of pouring the water. Somebody already poured, put the seed there, and you may be pruning it. And you just play a role in the in the in the kingdom work. Um, not, you know, we can do all the services at the church, but outside the church I'm talking about, somewhere the kingdom work you have to do. Every person, there is nothing called gift of evangelism. I'm telling you, like, gift of evangelist is there. That's a different word. But it's gift of evangelism. Everybody has that gift because everyone is sent out to, to preach the good news. You know, like we don't need to write a review on Amazon, a gift of writing a review on Amazon. If you like one product, you'll just give five stars, right? <laughs> you, you give. You, I have never seen anybody say, oh, I don't have a gift of writing a review. I don't want to write. No, you naturally go and write a good review on a good product. You get it. So you already got the eternal life as a gift. So what more you need? You don't need boldness. Just just give a review. That is the review before people about Jesus. That is called evangelism. <laughs> all right. There you have it. So may we all this week go give someone a five-star review of Jesus. <laughs> right. That's it. <laughs> all that's right. it. Thanks, Manohar. Uh, thanks all of you for tuning in. If you have any more questions for Manohar, uh, you know where to find him, I guess. And you can also find his email on the High Point Church website. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. You can find more episodes online at highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on most podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Overcast. If you are listening on a podcast app, hit subscribe to get notified of future episodes. 
We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.